What's up guys, it is Quinn here with another fantasy football video, and today I'm going to be talking about three running backs that I'm currently avoiding at their draft price. So right now, I just think they are being way overvalued, and I'm just not going to be interested in taking them at their current ADP. So I'm going to be breaking down all three players. Before we get into the first one, I just want to say that if you guys enjoy the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button, and then subscribe to the channel. Really helps me out a ton, but let's just jump right into it. And the first running back that I'm not interested at price is going to be Javante Williams. Right now, he is going off the board at around the RB13, so like a borderline RB1. And then he is going at the 2-3 turn, so late second round, early third round. For me, I just think this is way too early for a player who we know is locked into a committee. These are some of the other running backs who are going in the same range. You have Fournette going a few picks before Javante Williams. Then you have Saquon Barkley and James Conner, typically going a few spots after him. All of those players have workhorse potential this season. You know, it's not a guarantee that these are like, you know, 16 plus carry, four plus target guys, but you could totally see, you know, a reasonable range of outcomes where Fournette has the same workload as last year. Barkley obviously has been a workhorse in the past. James Conner did it when Chase Edmonds was out last year. So all of those guys, you could realistically see a three-down workload. For Javante Williams, I just don't. And so when we're paying this price, late second, early third round, I want the upside of like a mid-tier RB1. I think guys like Fournette, Barkley, Connor, if things break right, they could probably be high-end RB1s. But just being more reasonable, I think all three of those guys, you know, have a decent shot of being mid-tier RB1s. For Javante Williams, I do just think that is very unlikely. And that is because the Broncos went out, they re-signed Melvin Gordon, and looking back to last season, I mean, they had a nearly dead-even 50-50 split. I have this graphic up on the screen, so it's comparing the two workloads. So Javante Williams, rush attempts per game, 11.9, Melvin Gordon, 12.7, and they were also, you know, pretty effective. You know, they both were very solid, and you know, it's not like the efficiency numbers were way towards Javante Williams. Yards per carry, Javante 4.4, Melvin Gordon 4.5. Targets per game, we saw Javante Williams with the slight edge, 3.1. Melvin Gordon 2.4, yards per reception, Javante Williams 7.3, Melvin Gordon 7.6. And then fantasy points per game, Javante Williams came in at 12.1, that's PPR. Then Melvin Gordon was here at 12.2, so very, very similar numbers. I'm not expecting the same 50-50 committee. I think we all know Javante Williams, he's their running back of the future. He's going to continue ascending. Melvin Gordon, more of like the veteran guy, can still get it done, but they're not going to be like 50-50 again this year. I do think Javante Williams will take over as the 1A. You'll have Melvin Gordon operating as the 1B, but they clearly have two very capable backs. I think Russell Wilson coming in gives Javante a decent bump up. He's going to have more touchdown upside. Overall, this is just going to be a much better offense. But on the other end, I do think this offense could shift to a more pass-heavy approach. So that could take away from the potential opportunities from a guy like Javante Williams. Overall, this is not like me hating Javante Williams as a player. I mean, like if he was given the opportunity to be like a workhorse, I think he could be a high-end RB1. I think he is very, very talented if he could get that workhorse role. And if, you know, Melvin Gordon was not here, you could be making an argument for Javante Williams at like RB4, RB5. So this is not, you know, like me disliking the player. I think he is very solid. But at the running back position, 
volume is key. And I just don't know if we're going to be getting it here with Javante Williams. And I feel like people were so hyped for, you know, a season with him without Melvin Gordon, where he was going to be like that mid first round pick that he definitely fell off in value. I just don't think he fell off far enough. I will not be taking him over running backs who will likely have three down workloads. And I also wouldn't be taking him over some of the wide receivers going in this range. Guys like Tyree Kill, T. Higgins, Keenan Allen. Hill's going probably a few slots before him. Higgins and Keenan Allen are going after. So I would rather have those guys also. So Javante Williams is going to be the first running back that I'm fading. The second one is going to be going, you know, a few rounds later. And that is Elijah Mitchell. He's being picked as the RB24, a mid-sixth round pick. And even though this isn't a super rich price, he's really just not the player that I want to be targeting here in the sixth round. Mitchell had a really solid rookie year, finished as the RB15 in points per game. And so, you know, looking back at it, you may be looking at this RB24 price tag saying, hey, you know, he's kind of getting a cushion here. Seems like a nice value, but I'm just not seeing many avenues for him to either improve on that finish or honestly even kind of repeat that mid-tier uh, RB2 season. In 2021, he was the clear workhorse once Raheem Mostert went down in week one. He also had pretty limited competition throughout the season. There was never really a threat to him being the guy, you know, after that week one game. And right now, it looks like Trey Lance is going to be the starter heading into 2022. I know Jimmy G is still on the roster. I think they know they have to move on with Trey Lance. So even if he's the backup or they carry him up until the season, I do believe Trey Lance is going to be the guy. I think that is a worse situation here for Elijah Mitchell. He'll take away carries. The 49ers went out. They drafted Ty Davis Price in the third round. And so I still think Elijah Mitchell will be, you know, the number one option. But I think we're foolish if we're not expecting Davis Price to be involved. You don't go out, spend, you know, a solid third round pick on a running back if they're just going to come in and sit on the bench, especially like Elijah Mitchell's a young guy. So it's not like he's like a veteran who has one or two years left. Price will take over. You know, they are both very young. You look at Elijah Mitchell, he's not a huge running back. He's like five foot 10, 200 pounds. That's not the size you would typically consider to be like workhorse size. You don't want that guy carrying the ball like 18 times a game. So I do think the 49ers are going to go out. They're going to want to lessen Elijah Mitchell's role, and they can do so with the bigger bodied Davis Price. This is also not an offense that throws to the running backs. So I don't think you're ever going to see an elite ceiling here. They're not going to be dumping it off. You're looking at carries and touchdowns that could also be vultured. I mentioned how Trey Lance could take carries. Those could also happen on the goal line. We actually saw him come in in games last year where he wasn't the quarterback, where he was getting in on the goal line, getting into the end zone. You also have Debo Samuel there. We don't know if he's going to be playing like that wide back position again. Seemed like he didn't love it during the offseason, but I could still see them, you know, maybe not giving him like 10 carries a game, but just giving him a few carries and key opportunities because he was very efficient when he got the opportunity. So you're not having targets. You're going to have carries and touchdowns that are going to be taken away by your quarterback, potentially one of your wide receivers. And then you throw out the idea that there's just very little security for these running backs that are picked in the late rounds of the NFL draft. You would think, you know, when teams draft a dude fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, or even undrafted like James Robinson, you would think they would view that as like, great, we found our guy at a cheap price. Now we don't have to go out, spend more draft capital, or spend money in free agency or trade bringing in one of these players. That is not how teams look at this. They'll get a guy in the sixth round, and then they'll be like, eh, he was solid. We want to go out, get another player. 
So despite playing well, Elijah Mitchell was a sixth round pick and he is not guaranteed the starting role. This is not a situation where if you're like a first, second round pick, you play well, you're the guy going into year two. That is not what is going to happen here with Elijah Mitchell. It's possible he's the guy, but you look at a player like James Robinson, who is the workhorse the entire season. You know, we think he could be the guy again. They go out, draft Travis Etienne. Obviously, uh, Elijah Mitchell is not competing with Travis Etienne here. But for me, looking at this backfield, there are just too many red flags. And then even if, you know, he is the guy, the upside is just limited. So I'm just not really willing to take a swing here on Elijah Mitchell. And that is why I'm going to be fading him. And in this range, there's really not a ton of running backs. Like Elijah Mitchell is kind of like the last guy in like the back end RB2 tier. So I would rather go uh, running backs early. I'll kind of talk about this after my last player. But in this range, I'd rather snag a quarterback like Jalen Hurts or go after one of these young wide receivers. This is where we're in the range with like Darnell Mooney and then like the rookies, the second year guys, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Elijah Moore, Amon Ra, all those players. I'd rather, you know, go out, take a swing on whoever you guys like of those young options instead of going with a player like Elijah Mitchell. And now for the third and final running back that I'm going to be fading at price, it is going to be Kenneth Walker. Right now, he is going off the board as the RB29. That's around the seventh, eighth round turn. So this is just not a backfield I want to be involved in here in Seattle. If we're looking at their offense, they don't have a good quarterback. They're likely not going to have a good quarterback heading into the season. It seems like they're fine sticking with Drew Locke or uh, Geno Smith. Maybe you throw Baker in there, but is that a massive upgrade? I don't even know anymore. So this is not going to be a high-scoring offense. I feel like we can all agree with that. I think in an ideal world, Pete Carroll would love to just have this super run-heavy attack, and I do think they will try to implement that. The question is, like, is this an offense that's ever going to be leading? Like, I feel like this is going to be a team that is trailing a lot, so are they going to be able to be that run-heavy team for, you know, a full four quarters? I just do not think that is very likely. They could start off like that, but eventually they're going to have to be throwing the ball. Also, arguably the strength of this team is their wide receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You can't totally phase those guys out of the offense. If you're just looking at this team's history, they are not known for passing to the running backs. I don't really see why that would change here. So you have Kenneth Walker heading into this backfield. He's probably going to be in a solid split, at least with Rashad Penny, who is back on a one-year deal. Maybe Chris Carson is in there, but we just don't know what's up with him. After that neck injury, it's very possible he's never the same or doesn't even come back. And then you would Pete Carroll already come out and kind of pumped the brakes on uh, Kenneth Walker being a three down back. Said he needed lots of improvements as a pass protector. And typically, if you guys follow like what Pete Carroll says, he is wildly optimistic. So normally he's the guy. Everyone's going to have this massive role. He did not say that with Kenneth Walker. So I'm going to take that at face value. I'm not expecting three down Kenneth Walker. Typically when we're listening to kind of like coach speak, what I like to follow is I follow the negative stuff. Not necessarily negative. But, you know, when the coach comes out, is like, oh, this, uh, you know, undrafted wide receiver, he's amazing. He's making all these insane plays. I'm not projecting that dude to come in and be the next Devontae Adams because, you know, they want to hype the guys up. It makes sense. But when a coach comes out and says, this guy's going to have a limited role, this guy hasn't looked great, you probably want to believe them because they don't have much incentive to kind of just crap on the guy for no reason. So I'm believing that Kenneth Walker is likely not going to be a three down back in this offense. When I'm looking at targeting uh, rookie running backs in redraft, I kind of have this general philosophy. 
Obviously, I don't follow this 100% of the time, but I'm interested at going after like the elite rookie running backs, the ones who are looking like, you know, first round, second round, third round, fourth round fantasy picks. Like this year, I am in on Brees Hall. I wasn't super in on Najee Harris just because I thought he was going too high last year, but he's someone that I could have been in. You know what I mean? Like I'm willing to spend decent draft capital on a rookie if I think they're going to be workhorses, but then I kind of want to fade the mid-tier guys, the players who are going into like these crowded situations. So Kenneth Walker would apply to that. But then after like, you know, the early one and then the mid-round running backs go off the board, I will throw darts at all sorts of late-round options. In best ball, I'll do it. I'll do it as handcuffs. You know what I mean? So I'm going to be all over players like Elijah Spiller, Rashad White, because I do think they have a lot of upside as handcuffs. But I kind of like to fade those middle-round ones just because I think people like the hype. They push them up, and they may not even have a super solid role in year one. So this is why I'll be fading a guy like Kenneth Walker. And honestly, the main reason for that is I think they typically start pretty slow. They have competition. They don't break out super early. But then as the year goes on, they start to kind of eat into the workload. And then they really break out later in the year. If you guys remember back to the 2020 season, we saw guys like Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. There were all times during that season where they were droppable. Like I remember there was a stretch Jonathan Taylor had like two, three games with under 10 carries. He did nothing. People were like, I guess it's just not going to be the year for this guy. Potentially dropped him. And then like last six games of the season, he just went on an absolute tear. Cam Akers did nothing until like the last few weeks where he got this massive workload. J.K. Dobbins, the same thing. Did nothing until the last like eight weeks of the season. So why am I drafting a player you know, who's probably just going to fall off in value as they kind of figure it out early in the season. And then, you know, either their value totally tanks, maybe you cut them, and then they start to break out later in the year. If I'm someone who's a big Kenneth Walker fan, personally, I'm not. But if you really like the talent and maybe even like this price, I would rather kind of take the risk, wait for that value to start to drop. And then midway through the season, you still believe in the talent. Maybe you see that workload start to rise just a little bit kind of before he sees that breakout, then you go out, acquire him onto your team. Just looking at this current spot he's being drafted in, I would just rather go after wide receivers. If you don't have your quarterback, I'd be fine going quarterback here as well. And I mentioned kind of like my general running back strategy. I think I said I was going to talk about it when I was going through Elijah Mitchell. For me, I feel like the way the value is playing out this season, I want to be in on running back early in the first few rounds, talking like round one, two, three, I'll probably be going running back in the first round unless one of those wide receivers is a real value. Second round, I'm fine going wide receiver. If I don't go second round, probably third round. And then like fourth round, I'd be willing to pay for some dudes at cost. Like if Ezekiel Elliott's a late fourth, Brees Hall, I'd be willing to go out, get one of those guys. But I want two or three running backs in those first like four rounds. And then I'm probably going to be almost completely fading them rounds like six through 10 Obviously, if there's a screaming value, I'm not going to pass up on them. But just looking at the current prices, I'd rather fade from 6 through 10, throw some darts on you know, wide receivers, get a solid quarterback, maybe you throw a tight end in there, and then I'm going to be throwing darts late on handcuffs. I feel like you know the recent injuries to the running back position have kind of put this philosophy that we need to be going wide receivers, but I really think the value with elite running backs is there. If you have a running back who is healthy, that is fantastic. You plug them into your lineup. They're super solid. But then you're able to get value with these handcuffs when a running back does get injured, 
So I like having the elite upside guys, but then also the players where they're one injury away from sliding in as a solid RB2. So that is kind of like my general philosophy here, but that is going to wrap it up for three players that I'm going to be fading at their current price at the running back position. So just to run through it one more time, it was Javante Williams, Elijah Mitchell, and then Kenneth Walker. Let me know what you guys think about that down below in the comment section. I'll be going through some of the uh, wide receivers that I'm fading right now in my next video. So stay tuned for that. Oh, also just want to say I would have talked about Antonio Gibson here, but I talked about him like two videos ago. So I didn't want to, you know, just double down on the same thing, but I'm also fading Antonio Gibson at cost. Thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.